0: So here we are on part four of our series, Why Did Jesus Die? And as we've been unpacking this, we've been looking at two things. One, the answer to the question, and kind of pulling back and looking at this last week of Jesus so that we might can understand and answer this question a little better. But the other part is that God is a self revealing God. And throughout all the life of Christ is a huge expression of God. In fact, Jesus is the most intimate expression of, of God, that, and we can find. And so as we begin to look today, we're going to look at the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Now, this is a very cool story. I don't know if you're familiar with this one. Um, but it's very well loved among a lot of Jesus' disciples, and that's for a very good reason. Um, now, to, granted, no one really wants to be the washer of other people's feet because of what that requires. But then the thing is, we see Jesus then begins to set, you know, kind of an example for us. And it's not so much an example. It is an example, but it's not just an example. You see, the Bible is not about that we would go and do good things, purely do good things. Now, granted, the Bible does us to trust God and do good. We find that in the Psalms and several other places. But the goal of the gospel is not that we would just do good. But that when we've been transformed deep in the core of who we are, that we might be changed into something otherly, something totally different, something different than what we were before. And we understand this, and this is best framed in the idea of us being born again. Like there's a death and then a new life. And that's what we're going to begin to see in this final week and why Jesus died on the cross, that it shows us there's a death and then a newness in life. But in this story of Jesus coming and washes his, share, his disciples' feet, it's a very interesting story. In fact, they're at a dinner party, and here they are. They're eating, and, and they're having you know, the, the, just a good time together. And in the middle of this, uh, nobody really recognizes Jesus gets up. Now I find that kind of interesting, but Jesus gets up and he's kind of unrecognized and he goes and he grabs the the foot washing bowl and he grabs a towel. And then he goes and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. Now, if you can just kind of picture yourself in the story, you can imagine how disruptive in a sense this would be. Here everybody is just talking, they're having a good time, who knows what they're talking about? Maybe they're talking about what ministry has been. Maybe they're talking about what Jesus has been talking about, him dying and trying to figure out and understand this. Maybe they're just talking about how good the food is. Who knows what they're talking about? But here they are. They're just talking, having conversation. And I can imagine that as this, this room is kind of bustling with commotion and sound, that all of a sudden a hush begins to move across the room as one by one they begin to now notice Jesus has taken up not the highest seat in the room, but the lowest seat in the room. And he has moved from a place of honor to a place of serving and giving. In fact, it was so moving that Peter objects completely to it. He says, you can't. You can't wash my feet. You, you're, the, you're the Messiah. You're the you're the I'm supposed to wash your feet. He didn't get it. And in pure compassionate style that Jesus so often uses, he looks at Peter and says, you, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. Like you can't partake in what I'm about to do. Unless I wash you, you can't be a part of what I'm about to accomplish. Like He's letting us know that unless he washes us, that we have no part with him. And then he tells us that, he's, that he did this as an example and that we should go and do this to others. Now, I don't know if you've ever been a part of a foot washing service, but it is very humbling. There's very few people that probably ever make it through without being humbled and expressive in tears. But I want us to kind of look at what Jesus' example is in this and how Jesus reveals himself in this story. And it's one is that he humbled himself. You know, um, this was a very humbling move that Jesus would take. And, you know, why would Jesus humble himself? Well, there's, there's a few points to that I want us to look at. And one is that it's, it's to please the Father. He humbled himself to please the Father, that his heart in doing this was to please his Father. Um, man, that's an interesting way for us, if we can begin to picture this, that the reason why we serve is, is not just for us. We get a lot out of it, yes, but it's not, as, it's, and it's not necessarily for the person we do, although the person that we serve gets a lot of great out of it. But just like Jesus, we do this to please the Father, because you see, that should be our heart. Our heart in worship should be that of pleasing our Father. It should be that of we do it out of a love for our Father because we, the relationship that we have with our Father. You, Paul kind of sum, some, summarizes this in Galatians 1 when he says, if if I was trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And uh, where would he get that? Only except from Christ. If Christ would say it with, I'm not serving you know, I'm not trying to please man. If I was, I wouldn't be a servant of God. Like he was a servant of his father. And his heart wasn't to please the disciples by washing their feet. His heart was to please his father by humbling himself. And we see that too, is that he emptied himself. This is why he would humble himself, to empty himself. And Philippians 2 we have a beautiful scripture that Paul writes out. And he says that he would empty himself of his, uh, of his throne so that he could, he didn't count his equality with God to be something to be measured or, or touted or lifted up. But he emptied himself. And by emptying himself, he was able then to receive, so that he could receive. And what would he receive? He would receive our redemption. Like he emptied himself so that he could take on our sin so that he could redeem us. The other thing we see in him humbling himself is that he was not about his own will. Like he didn't do this because he thought this was a good idea for him to do. Again, we've talked about this, but he does it because of the word of his father. And we see this very evident in the garden when he prays that, God, not your will, but my will. And uh, We saw this last week and and kind of, um, I mean, yesterday in this story, you know, when we're talking about his hour that has come, you know, and he kind of lays out this. He says, now my soul is troubled. And, and why is my soul troubled, you know? You know, he said, should I pray God save me from this hour? And it's like Jesus is putting forth again an emphatic no. Like, no, my prayer isn't that God would save me from this hour. But my prayer is that I, I would that um, the Father would be glorified in this time. And again, you know, here he's doing this because it pleases the Father, but because it's the Father's will. And, you know, he even says that my food is to do the will of him who has sent me. The fourth reason why it's in him humbling himself, it's to glorify the Father. Uh, you know, in verse 28, a little further down, he says "The the, the Son of Man must be lifted up so that to the father, to glorify the father's name. Um, You know, as he's telling the crowd this, um, there's a voice that comes from heaven. God then speaks (laughs) and he says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. Meaning that he has glorified his name and he will do it again. Like this is the beauty of what Jesus, Jesus has glorified his father and he will do it again. Like So we see that Jesus humbled himself. The second thing we see is that he he could do this because he knew who he was. You see, we often find it hard to humble ourselves and serve others because, I mean, to be honest, we're really centered around ourselves. We're really focused on ourselves. But it is when that we know who we are and we see who we are, That when we can step down and even take on the lowliest positions, because, you know, in an earthly framework, if you step down and take up the lowly position, then that becomes your identity. Many people are defined by what they do. Many people are defined by um, their job, so so to speak. And so because of their title or because of their job, they can't do certain tasks. But here Jesus is willing to do any task because he is secure in who he is he knows who he is he he knows he's this he's with the Father, he knows of his relationship, he knows that he is the Son of Man who will be lifted up who will he knows that all things will bow at his feet like there is no turning in this. There's no questioning in this. And so it's easy for him to get down and serve. And if we can understand our identity in Christ and who we are in Christ and the security of our salvation in Christ, then we will be able then, like Jesus, to step in and take the most lowliest position and do the simplest or the lowest of jobs. You see, Jesus knew that the Father had put him in charge of everything. And so him setting down and doing this did not diminish his rule. The third thing is that he was motivated out of love. We see that he humbled himself. We see that he knew who he was and we see that he was motivated out of love. See, many times we like to think of love as being a reflection of us, that we love because something is lovely. We love because something is worthy of our love. Our affections are tied to this idea of acceptance. So we love on the basis of whether we accept it or not. And the things that we don't accept, we don't love. And so oftentimes we like to tend to think of God's love similar to our love. But the thing is, God's love is not anywhere near our love. It's totally different. In fact, the Bible gives it a totally different name than the type of love that we know. And see, God's love for us is not because there's a transcendent love in us. Like there is this you know, because one day we're going to love him. So his love is justified because one day we'll return that love. No, that's not God's love. His love is not in us because we're like a diamond of some great value, you know? Um, No, this is not how God loves. God loves because God is love. You know, I like to think of myself as a pretty awesome person, you know, And, and God should love me because I'm pretty awesome. And, you know, I really like to think of myself and everybody else should love me. In fact, if we want to be honest, you know, when I go to the store, there should be a parking space at the front that's reserved for me. And the people in the store should recognize me enough to put that there so that I can come and be honored, right? This is us. Like, this is me if if we're being honest in our truest form, But the truth in scripture that we find is that God is love and he loves us because he is love. That's like who he is. And if he is love, then it must be expressed. It must be shown. And then we become the recipients of God's love. It isn't because we're lovely. It's because he is love. In fact, the Bible would put it this way, that while we were dead in our trespasses, while we were utterly useless of no worth to God and of being no worth, we had no opportunity to be of worth to God, that while we were in that state, that he loved us. And that's God's heart for you today, that his love for you is great. And he asked us to see it, to have our eyes opened, and You know, that should be our prayer a lot of times, that our eyes would be open, that we would see how great God's love is. You know, the fourth thing we see in this is that we must be clean. And the only way that we can see the Father is if we're clean. And the only way we can be clean is through the work of Jesus Christ. Man. So Jesus bends down and washes his disciples' feet. You know, we do like to think of this as an example, and it is a great example, but it's more than an example. It's an expression. It's an expression of who God is. It's an expression of who Jesus is. And so the next time you get a chance to wash somebody's feet, I just encourage you not to think of it as, as being an example of Jesus, but be an expression of Jesus, expressing the love of Jesus, expressing the, the heart of Jesus, expressing the movement of Jesus. And let this story move deep in you that you would know that we must be clean. The only way we can get back to the Father is that we're clean. And the only way we can be clean is through the work of Jesus. So Lord, I just pray today that you would, the hearers of this message today, that you would wash us and cleanse us. God, that you would cause our hearts to meditate on this word and think about it over and over and over again. God, that we would be moved in worship because of your great love for us, that we would be moved in worship because you you come and you humble yourself and you wash our feet. God, you wash us. You purify our hearts and our, our minds and our souls. God, in all the impurities of this world, you're washing them away so that we may once again have communion with the Father. God, thank you that you have, you've come so that we can be put and proper relationship with the Father. Lord, continue to let this word grow deep in our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, this has been a great series. I'm loving it. We've got a few more, so tune in tomorrow for another one. Hey, God bless. Have a great day.